Good evening, everyone. I pray that the Lord has uh, blessed you with a good day today. Every day is good that he allows us to uh, be alive. Amen. No matter what the circumstances of the day, uh, we thank the Lord for allowing us to be on the earth. Amen. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. We praise you, we magnify you, we give your name, the praise and the glory. Holy Father, we thank you, Holy Father, for breath, life. We thank you for our eyesight. We thank you for our hearing. But we thank you for to be that we're able to breathe, that we're able to think for ourselves. Holy Father, we want to thank you for being God and God all by yourself. Holy Father, we want to thank you for a roof over our head. It may not be a mansion. We want to thank you for a car to drive. It may not be a Lexus. Holy Father, we want to thank you for food to eat. It may not be steak every night. Father God, we thank you for you are a good God. Amen. And all praises belong to you. Amen. Tonight we want to continue uh, with our uh, Intelligent Faith series coming from the book of Colossians, chapter 3. And we'll pick up tonight at verse... 12. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Tonight we want to look at what Paul tells us we need to put on. What we need to put on. Paul has told us what we need and what we need to put off. Now we're going to see what we need to put on because before salvation, before we came to Christ, we formed some habits. We had some things in our lives uh, that wasn't pleasing to God. So, but once we did away with those things, those habits and now have to be re- replaced. The way we spoke, the way we lived, the way we acted, the way we conducted ourselves, now has to be replaced, replaced with some new habits some good habits, some better habits, some true habits. And uh, we're going to see that here tonight. The same way, and, and, and what we want to look at tonight is what Paul speaks about putting on. He is as if we're getting a, a makeover, a whole new wardrobe of clothes, uh, new things to wear, uh, new shirts, new blouses, new britches. Uh, all new things that we're now putting on after we had taken off these old clothes of the flesh. Now we want to dress up in the clothing of God and in the things that God would have us to put on. So verse 12 lets us know, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He said, we're chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. He said, we're dearly loved. You know? So in other words, we have been handpicked by God to be a part of His family. Handpicked before the foundation of the world, before we were even born. born God knew who He was going to called salvation. God knew who he was going to call into the ministry and who he was going to call to work in his service. 
He also said that we are holy. I would uh, define the word holy as we have been separated. We have been apart from, pulled away from the rest, from the rest of the world. That's 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 what we are when, when God says we're holy. We've been pulled away from the rest of the world. We've been pulled away from that lifestyle. We've been pulled away from those things that would control us that's of the world. We're, 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 we're holy now. We're, we're set apart for his service. And we're set apart to show others that there is a different way to live. So others can see the light on the hill. And that we don't have to talk like they talk. Act like they act. You know, we don't have to get down low like they get down low. But we're holy. We're called apart. The same way the Jewish nation uh, uh, was called apart to show uh, God's salvation to the rest of the world, so are we called apart. And he also says that we are his dearly beloved, just as we said earlier. We'll say it in a different way this time. In other words, we are the apple of his eye. He has set us as the object of his personal affection. He has set us as the object of his personal affection. You know, he didn't have to. The same way when, we were, when love was young and innocent, you know, when we was in grade school, uh, when we liked a little girl or you liked a little boy, we would, we would write them a note. Uh, roses are red, violets are blue. I love you. Check the box yes if you love me too. Well, God has checked yes. He has checked the box yes. Yes, if you will, for us. He loves us. Do we love him in return? By our actions, by our deeds, how we live. That's how we show God that we love him. And when you love somebody, it's it's like a non-reflexive action. You don't have to think about it. It's just you, you do for them because you love them. You don't even think about it. Or you may be in the store or, or riding down the road and you see something or something across your mind. Oh, my wife will love this. My wife will like this. I'm going to get this for her just because I love her. That's why we live for Christ. Not because we are herded like a bunch of cattle into the church to live with him, for him. Mm-mm. Because we love him. Because he first loved us. So then he goes on to say, So, let us then have compassion. Or in other words, have, have sympathy. You know, now, Verses 12 and 13, these verses helps us, I think these words, a lot of these words are words that will help us deal with people or when we're dealing with people. These, are, these words are not, not for us, not for our own benefit, but these Descriptive words or adjectives because they describe a subject 
they describing how we should act towards others. How he have compassion now. You know, or sympathy. You know what we used to be? Didn't care about nobody else. I got mine. You get yours. I'm, hey, I all worry about it. me, myself, and I. He said, now that we're in Christ, let's have compassion. Have a sympathetic heart for other people. And it's not just all about ourselves. He said, have kindness. Or in other words, just be nice. Be nice to people. Be nice to people. Have a yes face for people see you coming. Huh? You don't have to say a word. You know, a lot of times you need help. You're lost in the store, or say you're in a store and you're looking for something, you can't find it. So you start looking around for a worker in the store that can help you. And some works you may see, they'll look at you like in their faces saying, oh, I don't want to be bothered with you. So you look around for another coworker, that, somebody that can help you. And you see somebody, they have that face like, I'm ready to help. They have a yes face. That's the face we should have. A face of kindness. He said, have humility. Or in other words, bend the low for people. Don't be so, you know, straight back and disconnected and look, look like you got on a, a, a you know, what those uh, armor shirt on? What do you call, what do you call them things to keep them getting shot? A vest. Bulletproof vest. They, they, you can like you can tell. You know, when the president and has on a bulletproof vest or some type of bulletproof under their clothes because they stand up real straight and and it puts some little weight on them. They got you know they got a bulletproof vest so they won't get shot or whatever. And then it makes them stand up more erect. When you're humble, have humility. You bend low. You you take low. You you you'll take the you let people before you in the in the lunch line, huh? You'll offer to work late while others get off early sometimes. You won't speak up for yourself when you know you haven't done wrong. You'll let God vindicate you. That's bending low. to have gentleness. Gentleness, I would say, will be have a non-abrasive spirit. Some people are just very abrasive. You know, you can't get close to them. They, you, you know, they, they're abrasive. They're hard to get along with. They're not easy to be treated. You know, nobody really wants you. No one picks them to be on their team. They're abrasive. Paul said, put on gentleness. Well, I'm learning to put on a lot of these attributes right here myself. I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to get dressed. Some things that I should have learned in, in in a kindergarten school of Christian education, I have not yet learned. And, 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 and I'm still learning them. 
I'm learning how to dress myself up in the righteousness of God in a way that be pleased to Him. Gentleness. He should be patient with people. I rem- I won't ever forget. I was studying the book of Timothy, the epistle of Timothy that Paul wrote to Timothy. I won't ever forget the day. I guess the light bulb came came on for me. I was sitting on the porch, and I ran across the scripture that says, the, "the It says the servant of God is not." He said, that, he said, the servant of God is not a fighter or is not a brawler, my, my paraphrase. You know, he said, he, 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 he's not abrasive. He's not antagonistic. He's not always starting fights or, or always. He said, that's the servant of God. He said, but the servant of God is gentle. And I was like, wow. I need to take off and put on. And that's where we have to be when we're patient. Have an untiring attitude. Untiring attitude. Somebody just you just can't get patient people, you can't make them mad if you want to. But so patient. Like 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 and that's a quality 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 that teachers need. Teachers need to have patience. You know, because some students, no student learn at the same rate or the same speed or the same way. And some students, it takes longer. You got to, they got to show them once, then show them again, then show them the third time, fourth, fifth time. That's the way the student is, and, 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 and they must be patient with them. The servant of God must also be patient with people and teach them again and teach them again and teach them again. Verse 13, he goes on, he says, bearing with one another, bearing with one another. That means, in other words, we we learn how to put up with 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 with, with each other. We just put up, you know. We you know we put up with them. We don't kick them out of the family. We don't kick them out of our uh, circle of friends. We learn to bear with them. You know, some people you 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 that's old people you say. Some people you have to feed with a long handled spoon. You still feeding them. They just don't get so close. You know how to bear with them, huh? Be tolerant with them. Be tolerant with them. And this takes some learning. This takes some time. None of these attributes are going to come overnight. The Holy Spirit helped us to cultivate these uh, attributes and these characteristics. He, he helps us. But we put forth the effort. He said, then we forgive each other. Huh? We forgive each other. Uh, uh, who, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone. Now that word complaint. Well, he said, why do we do this? He said, just as the Lord forgave you. 
so also should you. Now that word complaint means, or is another word for grievance. Grievance. If anyone has a, a grievance against you, you know, or it's a, a, a problem, an issue, we forgive them. Because we know that we ourselves ain't perfect. And uh, the Lord, like he said, as the Lord forgave you. How many times has the Lord forgiven us for the grievances we have committed against him and his word and other folk? How many times? So I think that would be a quick, quick way for us to learn to forgive one another if we quickly remember how many mistakes we have made how many times we have fallen short how many times we have fell down scarred our knees spiritually speaking and the Lord just helps us back on up again puts a bandaid on that spiritual bruise and we keep moving right along we don't stop we don't give up. We keep moving. Verse 12. Now all of these things that Paul describes here that we should put on. To me it's that in effect what we're really saying in these verses with gentleness, kindness, humility, patience. We're saying Lord make me a good person. Make me a good person. Because anybody that can do all of these things and put up with the people in this way with, with patience, they're a good person. And since God is the only good one, only goodness comes from Him, He has to make us a good person. He has to make me a good man. He has to make you a good woman. Good boy, good girl. That's what we say. Lord, make me a good person. That's what the Lord is trying to get us. And that's the place he's trying to get us to. To be good people. Verse 14, he says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I like the way the New Living Translation says it. It says, above all, or most importantly, huh? clothe yourself with love. I know I have said this several times, but we shouldn't we shouldn't be so quick to say, you know, we shouldn't be so quick just to say, I love everybody. Oh, I love him, I love her. I love the homeless man, the homeless woman on the street, I love it. But love is an action. Love is a doer. You can see love. You can feel love. To say you love everybody just to have happy with God says love everybody. So you don't love everybody until you come in contact with everybody. But the people that you have come in contact with, 
can you say you truly love them like God's love? I can't say that yet. I can say I'm working on it, and I can say, Lord, help me to love everybody. This is what Paul is talking about. He's not talking about superficial, I love you, I love you. No. He said, clothe yourselves with love. I, you know, I don't know if uh, if anybody knows. I know some of some of, uh, of the listeners do know the late Elder Robert Lewis. Now, that was a man <laughs> full of love, full of God's love. He just loved people. He was a people person. Just like Pastor Morris. Pastor Morris is a people person. And, uh, and Ella Lewis was the same way. And you rarely see that in, you, have, you don't see it as often in men. But District Elder Robert Lewis, to me, he was a bishop in his own right. But uh, they called him District Elder. He was a man of love. Paul said, this is what binds us all together in perfect unity. If my love is the glue that holds us together. It's the same way that the wife stays in an abusive relationship for so long because she loves the man. Same reason that a man stays in an abusive relationship for so long because he loves the woman. He loves the kids. He loves his family. Love binds us all together. Love is the overcoat. He said, above all, the last thing you put on, I was going to use an analogy of a raincoat, but I may have lost uh, uh, quite a few of you when I say raincoat. Who uses a raincoat anymore? What's a raincoat? Well, instead of a raincoat for you modern day listeners, love is an overcoat. It protects your your your, your shirt, your pants when it's raining outside, when it's cold, when the that's what love does. It just keeps us all together. And it also covers a multitude of sins. Verse 15, he says, Now, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Look at that. He said, let the peace of God, or the shalom, the shalom of God. He said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. This is not just any peace. Just like, just like you said, he said, my peace I'll give to you. He said, not as the world give it. You know, the world call themselves therapy, peace on earth, or we need peace. Or, or they call themselves creating peace in certain parts of the country. That's the worldly peace. It so soon vanishes away. He's about I will give you my peace. I will give you my shalom. Isaiah called him the peace prince. He's the peace prince. The prince of peace. 
when a commotion would rise in our home growing up, and say there's we're arguing or there's a loud a conversation going on, my mother said, "Hold your peace. Hold your peace. Or stop fussing. Stop arguing. Be quiet." He said, "Let." This peace, God's peace, let it rule in your hearts. Now, this word rule is let it arbitrate or let it decide every debate. This peace will decide every conflict, every problem, and every issue that comes up in your life. When this peace of God rules, that peace will come to the forefront and help you make the right decision. It's going to arbitrate. Factions raise up on your job, and there becomes a division. The peace of God is going to raise up in your heart, and it's going to it's going to say, mm, "Go this way. Hold your peace." Give you the words to bring down the temperature, bring down the emotion. There's confusion in your home. When the peace of God rules, that peace is going to show up, and it's going to decide how you conduct yourself. You're not going to get ugly. Like other people get ugly because the peace of God rules in your heart. It doesn't make you, sir, sir, no, sir. It doesn't make you passive. It doesn't make you less of a man because you let the peace of God rule. You know, you're not afraid. You're not timid. You're not scared. You're letting the peace of God rule. And that's the way God will have it. And then he says, again, he said, because you're called in one body. And he says, be thankful. Be thankful. Now, Paul reminds us to give thanks to God at least six times in this book. Six times. And that's not by accident that he tells us either to be thankful or to give thanks six times at least. Now, this is a repetition that we shouldn't soon pass by it. We should think about giving thanks. And do we truly give thanks to God for all things? And in all things. Paul says it for a reason. Because it don't matter if it's a bad situation, a good situation, a scary situation, a troubling situation, a trying situation. He should give thanks. There's a reason in the giving of thanks to God. For me... Giving thanks to God has a way of automatically 
pulling down the blessings of God in your life by giving things. It puts your situation automatically in a place of worship when you give things. Huh? You get bad news over the telephone. You know, you can't do nothing about it. They can't do nothing about it. All we can do is pray. Bless the Lord. Bless His name. Well, what you gonna do? What you gonna pay? We can't do anything. We can pray. Bless the Lord. Thank Hey, thank the Lord. How can anybody in their right mind but common sense give thanks for, for all things? Exactly. You won't be in your right natural mind when you give thanks. You're in the spiritual mind because you have put on new clothes. In the same way that parents teach us did you say thank you? Say thank you. Always say thanks to God. It will pay off. You may not see it then in that circumstance, in that situation, but when you look back, you will see how it has paid off. You'll be glad that you did because it puts your situation in a place of worship when you say thanks. Our soul should constantly make our boast in the Lord. Constantly make our boast in the Lord. Then he says in 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Richly dwell. Paul, Paul sure had a way with words. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. How is the word going to richly dwell? My mother used to say, fill yourself full with the word of God. She also was a woman of love. Fill yourself full with the word of God. We should study it. Time where we study our school books. With the TVs off, the music's off, everything off so we can focus on the study as well. Then we should meditate on it. We should mull it over, pour over the scriptures, meditate on it. The same way you enjoy a good meal. You don't just swallow it down, but you eat slow enough to taste the food. That's what you do when you meditate on the Word of God. You're letting that good richness of the Word just sink in. You, you, you want to get the full aroma, the full taste of the Word. Like the Lord told uh, uh, Ezekiel, eat the whole loaf. He said, eat the bitter and the sweet. then we should apply it to our daily lives. 
we should apply it to our daily lives. And this is not new. When he says, let the word of God richly dwell in you, look at Deuteronomy. Very familiar passage of scripture. Deuteronomy 6, verses uh, 6 and 7. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6 and 7 contains what we know as the Shama. And it reads, These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Constant reflection. And he says, You shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. See that? He said, that's, that's letting the word of God richly dwell in you. He said, when you teach the word, talk about the word. When you talk. He said, when you're sitting down on the couch, talk about the word. When you're walking along the way, talk about the word. When you're lying down in your bed, maybe that's your spouse, talk about the word. Hey, when you get up in the morning, talk about the word. Now that's richly letting it dwell. And that's how you get it to stick. And that's how you make it through tough places of life. That's how you make it through marriages that don't work out. That's how you make it through funerals. That's how you make it through COVID by letting the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He said, ask what you will and the Father will give it to you. Because if the word of God richly dwelling in us, we're not going to ask amiss. We're not going to just ask for uh, 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 a mansion for this gold necklace and this and all this if the word of God richly dwelling in us we're not going to ask for these things we're going to ask Lord draw me close to you Lord help me be a light to you Lord help me be my... those are the things that's going to come out and those are the things that he's going to give us because we're going to have the same desire that he will have because his words are dwelling in us Then he says, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Look, when the word of God is used, you can't teach or admonish if the word of God doesn't receive to our us. But when it does, then we will have all wisdom for every case that comes up. For every issue, for every problem, God will give you the right word of wisdom. He'll give you the right counsel to give to one another. He said, look, and he said we are encouraging a teaching and admonishing one another. We help each other because we're one body in Christ. We build each other up. Don't try to pull them down. We don't always try to look for the bad in people or what they say wrong, what they do wrong. No, no, we, we want to look for the good 
and, and build each other up. Wisdom for every case. And we will be and we will be able to teach one another. We'll have a word of wisdom for one another. We'll have to go to the world. Live right in the church. Right in the mouth of your fellow sister or brother. A word of encouragement. A word of hope. Word of strength. Jesus, now, now, this word of Christ, the word of God, this is the Logos word or the Logos word. It's the spoken word. And once the word becomes, gets in our heart, then we speak it. We speak the Logos word. Huh? That's when we speaking out the word of God. So this Logos word will make you wise. The word of God will make you wise that you can handle life. The ups, the downs. The word of God will do it. The word of God will do it. And it's not just, you know, Devotionals are good, but a lot of the devotionals have man's words, but the word of God. That's where the truth comes from. Admonishing one another with what? With also with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and singing. See, The older church, they they would encourage each other and themselves in songs. Our gospel songs today are not like the songs that they sung. There's some good gospel singers out there, but uh, they don't sing like they used to sing. Boy, when the older gospel singers are saying, you 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 felt something. Well, you felt the Holy Spirit, or it made you shut your mouth, or you sat with respect, or you heard the songs of Zion, because they meant something. They were singing about Christ. And Paul lists three categories of different songs. At first, he says, singing with songs. Now, these are songs from the Psalmster, or the Old Testament Psalms, the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Now, those are, those are songs that were rich, originally sung with the harp or the lyre, or the, the different instruments, the tremble that they used to sing. They would sing the song. We read them today, but they would sing them as they going on a long journey down. Singing the Psalms. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, 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 I will lift up my mouth into the hill. They would sing these songs. That's how they could remember the words so easily. And it will also encourage them and one another to hear the songs 
of the Lord, the scripture says, been sung. And that's another thing that would uh, help Israel gain the victory because they would come in singing and shouting and praising the Lord. And that will oftentimes scare the Philistines and, and scare their enemies. They said that the Israelites had a different shout. They said, they knew when it was a shout of victory, excuse me, or a shout of defeat. Because the Lord inhabited the praise of his people. He said they were encouraging certain songs. Then he also said they would encourage one another in hymns. Hymns were songs about Christ and the scriptures. The hymns, the hymnal books. Now, the church of yesteryear learned most of their theology, or they learned most about God through the hymns that they sung. That's why the hymnal books were so important. Those hymnal books have a lot of theology in it, solid theology. Now, like the songs we sing today, mm -mm. the hymns, uh, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart. Those, that's, that's, that's theology. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Huh? Amazing grace. How sweet the, that's theology. That's a hymn and they sung it and they learned about Christ. Paul said, use this to encourage me one another. And the last type of song he said is encouraging other spiritual songs. Now, now these songs are songs inspired and prompted by the Holy Spirit. These are not songs written in books. These are songs that the Holy Spirit gives you. Your inner man begins to sing, huh? A bubbling up something in you, huh? And out comes a song through the Holy through the Holy Spirit. You may be riding down the road, and, and, and the Lord gives you a song you never heard or sung before. My mother told us uh, she had a vision at one time where where the Lord uh, uh, let her hear. The most beautiful voices singing a song she never heard sung before. She said the song was so beautiful, and it just said as if the angels were singing. But you know what? She couldn't remember the words of the songs they ever liked. But she knew that she heard a beautiful song sung to the Lord. These they were prompted by the Holy Spirit. mother also told us of a song that the Lord gave her. And she called it I Feel the Fire Back. Huh? I never heard that song come before. Ever since then. And it was gave to her by the Holy Spirit. Oh, don't you know I feel feel the fire back the fire feel the fire Oh, don't you know I feel the fire burning. She was talking about 
the fire of the Holy Ghost. Like like Jeremiah said, it's fire. Shut up in the bone. Oh yeah. Spiritual song. Try it. Whenever you're feeling down, play some good worship music. When you put, I don't care what the situation is, play some good worship music. It seems as if time slows down. And heaven listens in. And it changes the atmosphere. Paul says, do this to encourage yourself. And once again, he says, and, and he says, and do it with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Good thankfulness. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, David said, shall continually be in my mouth. Now his Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Huh? Though he cut me down the sides, I still trust him, and I'll bless his name. Because his name is the only name above every other name to be praised. Hmm? Do with thankfulness. Verse 17. He says, What? Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Look at that. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Charles Swindoll titled this verse, Whatever you do, wherever you do it, whenever you do it. And however you do it, you do it for Christ. Do it for Christ. The writers of the critical, experimental, and practical Bible commentary says it this way. He said, this verse means that we serve Christ as if we were seeking soul to act as to gain his approval in whatever we do. Seeking so to act as to gain his approval. Not the approval of man, not the approval of women and, and, and boys and girls. He also says, in that spiritual element which his name betokens. He said, our lives are lived in a spiritual element which his name betokens or which his name calls for or which his name is worthy of. Huh? When we live like this, saints, there's no external rules needed. No, no, no. We don't need no stop sign. We don't need don't walk on the grass type of signs. We don't need no loitering signs. No, not when we live this type of life. Not whatever you do in word or deed. Doing. When you live this type of life, you have an internal rule that governs your life. It's like those, 
I don't know if those trucks still have it on there, but I know the the tr- big old trucks used to have what they call a governor on it, and 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 the governor will only allow the truck to go so fast because you can get the big trucks to stop on it now. So it, it, they put a governor on it, and, and, and they, they will only go so fast. That was it. Living like this governs our lives, huh? We don't need all those rules because Christ is ruling in our heart whereby his words are engraved on our hearts. Whatever you do, in word or deed, you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the whole life. That's everything. That's your living room, your bathroom, your kitchen, your bed. That's the whole life. Your car, your workplace, whatever you do. It's as if it is. They say his eyes are constantly on his people. Hey, wherever we go, wherever we do, the Lord is looking on The whole life dedicated to Christ. You know, in the Bible, the old, in the Old Testament, where they used to give the uh, sacrifice, the offerings, sometimes God would call for a whole burnt offering. This was the Ola offering. Hmm? That means, he said, I want the head of the animal. I want his shoulders. I want his legs. I want his arms, I want his hoofs, and I want his tail. He won the whole offer. He won the whole burn off. That's what he's saying here. He wants the whole life must go up and smoke to God. Whatever, whenever, whatever, however. Let's remember we're doing it to the glory of God. And there's our word again. At the end of verse 17, he said, And giving thanks through him to God the Father. Huh? And that's what it's all about. Revelation 5, 13 through 14 says, And every created thing which is in the heaven and on the earth, and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them he said I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever and the elders fell down and worshipped Now, if they can do it, why can't we? And yes, we can do it. Keep a mind of worship and giving thanks to God because he's worthy of the whole life. Giving him praise. And we'll close out tonight with a worship song entitled, Bless His Name by the group All Nations.
Come what you want, no matter what is the 